the military and brutalized. Still, I did not break my resolve because I know that the problem with Uganda is the governance which is centralized in one man's hand. Initially, we had an effort of bringing, uh, first of all, or uh, sensitizing the people of Uganda to understand the problem, but most importantly, to understand how to go about the problem. We agreed, all of us unanimously, that we need unity. Unity from different political parties, unity from people from different walks of life, and unity among the people of Uganda, those that are living in the country and those that live in the diaspora. We managed to achieve all that. It was one of the most violent election campaigns ever in the East African country of Uganda. At least 54 people died. Presidential candidates were arrested for allegedly violating coronavirus regulations. Government critics were intimidated or jailed and journalists were attacked. The Internet was shut down and international election observers were not accredited. How have the people of Uganda reacted to the obviously unfair and not free elections? Uh, thank you very much. I'm really glad that you mentioned that uh, General Museveni uh, is a real person that mentioned uh, when he had just taken power in 1986 that Africa's problem generally, and Uganda in particular, are the leaders that overstay in power. But again, he's the same person who said uh, in 2016, sorry, in 2000. Um, 16 year that, uh, he would, uh, never rule or run for president after he's 75. Unfortunately, the following year, he's the same person that uh, facilitated the amendment of the constitution, a violent amendment. I was member of parliament in 2017 and the parliament was raided. Members of parliament beaten. Others have not actually um healed completely and the constitution was violently changed. That is General Seven. Anyway, back to your question about how people have reacted. Um the people of Uganda amidst terror, amidst state inspired violence have stood uh firm, although um like we said uh the election that just happened in January was the most violent election in the history of Uganda. Journalists were not only intimidated, they were not only arrested, but many of them were killed. Journalists, um, our supporters killed. My entire campaign team was rounded off and uh, imprisoned without charge for seven months. I myself was uh, uh, rounded up on the day of nomination, um, tear gas, paper spread and all that. So it was, in my opinion, not what would pass for an election. Unfortunately, like he has always gotten away with uh, all the evil, General Museveni got away with it, and now he ultimately declared himself president, and that's where we are as Uganda. Now, Bobby, losing at the polls is one thing. Losing because of fraud and intimidation is a completely different story. How does it feel to know that, especially the young people of Uganda, are yearning for change and that they are putting their trust in you? Well, um, I wouldn't really want to say the young people of Uganda are putting their trust in an individual, me. I would want to say the young people of Uganda are putting their trust in an idea, an idea whose time has come, and that is liberation, that is freedom, uh, to think for themselves and to determine their own destiny when they can, especially in light of the fact that... Uh, the 
average age of those that rule over us in Uganda away in their late 70s and 80s. So the people of Uganda, especially the young people who account for over 80% of our population, it will be remembered that uh, more than 80% of the population in Uganda have never seen another president. They were not born in 1986 when General Museveni took over. However, these are the same people that I have their voices stifled even when they lined up for an, an entire day to go to the polls. Their voice never counted because um, the Electoral Commission just declared um, results without even counting. The Internet was shut off completely. Radio stations were cut off. Telephone lines were cut off. Uh, power, electricity was cut off. And General Museveni ordered um, those that work for him to declare the results that they declared. That is how we are in Uganda. Of course, the young people are incisant in their pursuit for uh, freedom, as you well mentioned, that peaceful protests are responded to with brute force, with murder. Uh, between the 18th and 19th of November last year, hundreds of people were shot dead extrajudicially on the street. Although the government of Uganda only accounted, only mentioned 54 people, but there were many more and they were in their hundreds that were killed, you know, extrajudicially. Unfortunately, the international community watched it, made a few comments, and like many other cases of uh, mass murder, courtesy of government, it was swept under the carpet. That's a very powerful way of framing it, that the trust of the young people of Uganda are not necessarily placed in one individual, but rather that their trust is placed within the ideal yeah. that Bobby Wine represents. We have been advised that many of your party members were imprisoned. Have all of your comrades been released from prison by now? Well, not, uh, not all of them. And I must remind the world that the illegal arrests continue. Even as we speak right now, everybody that dares to speak out against the regime or anybody that is perceived to be having an alternative view is rounded up. So while people continue protesting, when the government releases 30, it arrests another 30. It is that vicious circle that continues uh, since before the election. It happened during the election and it continues to happen even post-election. You are under house arrest for a few weeks. Were you worried or concerned about being detained as well as even abducted? Especially in the view of past events, this would not have been unlikely. Well, of course, I was concerned. I continue to be concerned, but I cannot only focus on my plight. I must say I'm lucky that I sometimes get attention of uh, the media whenever I am arrested uh, unjustly and illegally. Uh, it is spoken about. But my concern mainly goes to the hundreds and thousands of Ugandans who are unknown, who right now continue to rot in uh, illegal and gazetted detention centers, who continue to be killed extrajudicially, tortured in those uh, um, dangles without knowledge. The few that we get to know are not as known or as popular as myself. So while I 
talk about my plight, I really want to put emphasis on the plight of those hundreds and thousands of Ugandans that are out there. I'm only a symbol, a symbol or an example of the many other Ugandans that are suffering in a similar way. So yes, I am concerned. I was concerned. I continue to be concerned about myself, but I want to shine a light on the plight of those others who have nobody to speak for them. In our last episode, we hosted together with you. Chapter 4 human rights lawyer Nicholas Opio was our second guest. We recently learned that 54 NGOs have been banned in Uganda, including Chapter 4. What is this about? Could this be another attempt by the government of Uganda to silence civilians? Uh, certainly. Uh, I must say that even before the closure of uh, Chapter 4 and uh, many other uh, non-governmental organizations, uh, even Nicolas Opio himself was rounded up uh, because he was investigating the extrajudicial killings of uh, people, including women and children, uh, who were mass murdered by the government on the 19th and 18th of uh, November last year. But yes, um, there is an attack on civil society organizations. The regime in Uganda is trying as much as possible to silence every critical voice, to silence every avenue that can, you know, highlight the plight of the people of Uganda. And the recent attack is, of course, on civil society organizations. Nicholas Opio was also detained over Christmas in a maximum security military facility. Where does this hatred against human rights lawyers and other representatives of his profession stem from? Well, the hate of the truth stems from dictatorship. Um, General Museveni wants to have absolute control. And he will stifle, he will do anything uh, from arrest, torture, and even brutal murder of any voice of dissent. Human rights is something that he's trying to crush completely. There's no human rights in Uganda. And that's why all these human rights organizations are crushed without mercy. Um, like I said, while uh, we are talking about the known ones, the chapter fours and others, um, individual citizens are facing the same plight. Bobby Wine, Museveni is now a very old man and has been in office almost since your birth. How do you assess Museveni's strategy for the next few years? Do you expect the situation for the civilian population to worsen over the next years? I've said it before and I'll use this opportunity to say it again, that every day that Museveni rules over Uganda, uh, the situation of the citizens worsens. For every year that Museveni presides over our country, our country goes backwards five years. So that has been the situation. Um, well, while we say that uh, General Museveni is growing older and worse and more intolerant every day, let's look in our recent history. Um, dictators never realize that their time is out. Uh, let's take an example of uh, Robert Mugabe, who passed away in his 90s and was still insisting in controlling 
um, Zimbabwe, General Museveni has controlled Uganda for the last 35 years and he is not about to let the people of Uganda free. This is going to be the same way, the same thing. It only goes, gets worse. Um, now that he has, uh, have, uh, he has uh, had a, a firm grip of, of, uh, the matters of the nation. He has his wife as the minister for education and sports. He has, uh, his brother, his brother controlling, uh, effectively controlling the economy, even when he does not officially hold any position. Every uh, civil servant goes to him for a handout. Uh, he has his brother-in-law uh, effectively controlling cabinet, and his son is effectively in control of the military. So the situation of the people of Uganda only gets worse because Uganda is not only controlled but owned literally by one family, by one cocoon that milks every aspect of life out of the people of Uganda. And unfortunately, for as long as we have President Yoweri Museveni at the head of state, it means that the situation will continue to worsen. That is quite a, a powerful message. You said after the elections, this is no joking business. This is when the real fight begins. We are leading an entire generation out of slavery. Are you and your party hopeful for the next elections? We are not looking at elections because all elections under General Museveni are not going to be any different. We just came out of what was supposed to be an election. But this was an election that the military and police took over uh, effectively. The Electoral Commission was not in control. I was not allowed to campaign. Like I said, I was rounded up and arrested from the nomination ground, detained in my home. Um... I had to campaign putting on a bulletproof vest and a ballistic helmet because live bullets were flying everywhere. Many of my campaign comrades were shot dead. Others were run over by military police and police vehicles, you know. And every now and then, General Seven would come out to brag about the murder of uh, those uh, people. I was always in and out of prison on the campaign trail, on the eve of the election, the entire internet was switched off. Not just social media, but the entire internet was switched off. And as we speak right now, Facebook has never been restored in Uganda because it was the last platform of communication. Radio and TV stations were blocked and restricted from ever mentioning a word about the election. You know, uh, those that dared to report what was happening uh, from the election ground, we are raided and beaten live on air while everybody listened. And that was before the radio stations were switched off. You know, uh, in many regions, there was no election at all. In the western part of Uganda and the northern part of Uganda, there was literally no ele election because uh, military trucks were driving from one polling station to another, ticking every available ballot paper in favor of General Museveni. But even after doing that, you know, the vote, our votes were overwhelming that they couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't rig in their favor owing to the overwhelming number of elections. So what happens, the Electoral Commission chairman just goes on TV and says, okay, 
Now the election is over and Museveni has won. Period. Nothing else because there was no internet to relay uh the 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 results. The telephone lines had been cut off and that is the impunity that they operated with. So to think that uh there is going to be another free and fair election with General Museveni behaving in such a manner is something that would be far-fetched. And that is why we've been calling upon the people of Uganda to, one, get together and see that we rise against the dictatorship. But again, I've also been calling upon the international community, both regional, continental, and international, to stop being uh, facilitators of this evil we have regional blocks, we have the East African community, we have the African Union. They are watching this happening in one of their member states and nothing is being done. It's like they're partners in crime, you know. It is a shame to Africa, it is a shame to our generation to see that this is happening, it is being facilitated. And after all this is done, you see presidents coming from functioning democracies flying into Uganda to officiate this, I wonder what this speaks to their citizens and what it speaks to this generation of Africans. With that reflection in mind regarding the heads of states arriving in Uganda to officiate the atrocities that are taking place, before we have to come to an end of this really exciting episode, please allow me one last question. With well over 50 seats in Parliament... The media states that your opposition, the National Unity Platform, emerged as the biggest winner. Museveni seems to fear you. Do you have a hopeful message to share with Africa's young population? Uh, definitely. And uh, this message is everywhere for, 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 for everybody to see. Uh, while many parts of Africa are still grouped with dictatorships, I must say there's hope. There is hope. Just recently, Zambia was going through almost the same challenges of uh, police brutality, of uh, strongman and strongman rulership and the like. But the persistence of the people ultimately bore fruit and they had change, peaceful change, moral change, constitutional change. So my message to Africans everywhere, and Ugandans in particular, is that don't give up. Mandela told us that it always seems impossible until it's done. It can be done. As a matter of fact, it will be done. We will be free. We only choose to be moral, to be nonviolent, not because we are not strong. Yo, we are strong. We are many, and we are angry enough to be violent, but we choose to be smarter than them. Because we know violence only begets violence. We continue the moral way, the constitutional way, agitating for what's rightfully ours. But again, we can't do it alone. We have to do it with the rest of Africa. I know that it took the eyes of Africa, the eyes of the world, focused on Zambia, that games couldn't be played, immoral games couldn't be played. So I, I, I call upon Africa not to look at Uganda as an isolated case. You know, that brutality that happens in Uganda is a threat to the peace and democracies all over Africa. And when Uganda frees up, it will be an example and a motivation for other countries to free up. 
Zambia just freed up. That means we too can free up and everywhere else can free up. So I am hopeful. I want everybody else to be hopeful. Let us continue uh, opening our eyes and ears. Let us continue playing our role. Um, let us not look at the strong men. Let us not look at individuals. I'm not here to tell people that, yo, look at me as your savior. I am nobody's savior. I'm only playing my part. And if everybody plays their part, we together can add up the pieces. And man, we can liberate this Africa. All these countries that we admire in Europe, they have ever been ruled by brutal dictators. There was a time when Germany was under Hitler. There was a time when uh, Russia was under Stalin. There was a time when uh, in Europe we had the likes of Mussolini. Now they are free countries. You know, there was a time when South Africa was under apartheid, you know, but now, well, you, um, I can't say you are where you want to be, but at least you are not where you used to be. So I am hopeful that Uganda will also free up, but that freedom is not going to be free. That freedom is not going to come on a silver platter. It is a four to four. It is not only cried for. I've said it before and I say it again, that freedom comes to those who fight. Not to those who cry, because the more you cry, the more your people continue to die. There's no freedom negotiator. There's no freedom crier. There are only freedom fighters. So let's continue fighting morally, though. Thank you very much. That was a very powerful message and certainly inspiring. Thank you very much for sharing interesting insights with us again. At this point, we'd also like to particularly thank you, Bobby Wine, for allowing us to use your music for our podcast. Mm-hmm.